Amen. This weekend, we have enjoyed a rich time of prophetic ministry. Many of you have received individual words. All of us have received a time of ministry. And I want to invite Ben Goodman. We have two prophetic ministers with us today. Um, Clem is going to give our prophetic, I mean, our message today, but Ben has a couple words that he felt the Lord put on his heart for us this morning. So Ben, come on up. My friend, my fellow minister, a man that I love very dearly. So let's, let's hear it for Ben Goodman. Just, cut, just have a, a couple um, uh, words from our sponsor for individuals. Um, uh, bass player. Yes, sir. Uh, it's just a real quick one. Um, you know you're, you're older on the outside, but you've actually gotten younger over the years. Um, this is an important season for your life because you do have a gift of encouragement, but I believe the Lord is saying uh, the fullest expression of your gift is not just to encourage, but to sort of run ahead of some of the younger men, just run ahead and exhort them to follow you and show them how it's done. Because younger generation men, they want to do what's right. They don't just want to be encouraged. They want to have a model, someone to run after. And when they see an old guy like you just tearing it up with a guitar and then showing you how to keep on going forward in God, it will inspire those that you want to teach. So this is the time. Put on your Nike Airs. It's time to run. Not fast, though, please. And, and uh, what... You're tearing it up with this, but brother, Mr. Guitar Player, there you are. Man, the last thing you want is a prophetic word in front of everybody. That's why God chose you. Listen, brother, there are teachers and then there are teachers. There are teachers who can get up in front of people and go, eh, 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 and they do a really good job. But there are other teachers who teach things through example and like hands-on. Like, some of the best biblical teachers are mechanics. The best biblical teachers are, are hunters, some of them. Some of them. Yes, deers get killed during the hunting season. Anyway, um, gardeners, there's something about a man who knows how to train people by helping them do something that they're good at. Brother... You're that second kind of teacher. Um, that kind of teacher, actually, there's another biblical name for him, a father. Brother, your primary calling and all that you do is be a father. Of course, you'll never be perfect. When you're perfect, rejoice, you're in heaven. But until then, God wants to, ref uh, just to affirm, you have an anointing for fatherhood that goes way beyond your past, way beyond where you think you failed, you have an anointing to father to draw people close to you where they're going to want to do what you do with you. So these are days of an expansion of your confidence and your anointing as a father. And the last one. Yeah, amen. Reverend Bishop, Father, Rabbi, Michael Knapp. Oi. First thing that I believe the Lord wants to say to you is, who said 
Who said that your calling as a strong prophetic voice is waning? Who said that it's time for you to shift gears and do other things in other ways at the expense of your gift? Who said? God said, I didn't say that. However, you were obedient. You remind me of Aaron, another Jewish guy. You remind me of Aaron, who when God said, lay down your staff, he did. And then Aaron, at the right time, says, pick it up. And it was a different staff. It was more fruitful. This is what the Lord says. The fruitfulness of your prior prophetic ministry will not compare to the fruitfulness of your future prophetic ministry. As a matter of fact, this the, the development of your prophetic gift will have a wider footprint than before. Most of your prophetic ministry will be done out in the fields. There's an evangelistic thing in you, brother, that's very much like Christ, and he's going to start opening it up. This is a time, says the Lord, plow up your fallow ground. As in the days of yesterday, seek like the days of yesterday, and what will come out of the ground will be things that you didn't even know you planted. So this is the day, be bold, be confident that the gift that I've placed in you had to sort of go down, get retooled, and it's going to come up, and it will have incredible impact on people that you know and even people that you don't know. So these are days. There is a harvest coming, but start plowing now. Amen. And over here on my left is my good friend, Reverend Dr. Clem Ferris. He's probably one of the best prophets I've ever met. And he's got a great message. Reverend? Uh, I'm not a good MC. Cheers. Thank you. He has the, ben has the gift of embarrassment. So uh, thank you, Ben. That was very kind. Two guys from North Carolina come to Minnesota, and it snows. Thank you very much. Reminds us of why we live in the South, right, Ben? Yeah, anyway. It's great to be with City Hill. It always is. Um, I came here, my first trip to City Hill, well, it wasn't even City Hill then. It was New Testament Church and 30 years ago. Wow. Yeah, I was 12. It was a youth meeting, okay? <laughs> and this is Ascending Church. We really love Kent and Janet. It's been so great to have you leading this church. But some other great leaders have come out of this church, and I'm the beneficiary of one who's my pastor, Kendrick Venar. He came out of this church. He was a youth pastor then when we came. So thank you. I always want to come and say thank you, City Hill, for giving us Kendrick. We just love him and Nana. And uh, great history here, and uh, things are happening here. And it's always good to come and do prophetic ministry here. Um, I brought with me this time, as a surprise, a book. <laughs> One of the benefits of lockdown is I wrote a book. What else do you do when you're locked down and can't go anywhere? And I want to encourage you, if you've had prophetic ministry, um, to uh, take a look at that, maybe get it, because it's called stewarding prophecy. Because one of the burdens that men like Ben and I and other prophets have, it's not enough just to come and give and deliver prophetic words to a church and to individuals. It's seeing them fulfilled. 
And many, many churches and people get frustrated in the process of fulfillment because they don't understand what it takes to see a word come to pass. And if that fits you at all, <laughs> and it probably does in some category, um, this book will help you process a prophetic word, wage warfare with it. There's automatic warfare, automatic warfare when you get a prophetic word. Sorry, it's too late now. The weekend's almost over. Uh, you, don't, you didn't sign up for it. You don't ask for it. You don't pray for it. But it comes because the enemy hates the word of the Lord. And so there will be warfare. Those that receive ministry this weekend for the house, the words over the house, there's a, you have to wage warfare with your prophecies. And that's the, the just of the book is to teach you how to wage warfare with God's word. So I encourage you to get that if you've uh, had a prophecy in your life. But this morning, we're going to look at... Um, Understanding prophetic times and seasons because we are, and Kent was using that word a couple times earlier if you heard it, we're in this season and we go through seasons in life. And so to help explain that, we're going to go to Solomon the Wise, the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3. We're going to look at a text here to help us understand the times and seasons that God brings us through. And he's in charge of them. Daniel says that God is the one that actually sets up times and seasons. He's in charge. So we see the same kind of vernacular here from Solomon Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, he says, To everything, say everything. Everything. To everything there is a season. And there's a time to every purpose. So now we have everything, and now we have every purpose. Watch this, though, under heaven. This is all happening under a watchful eye from heaven. Our Father, who art in heaven. Or as one guy said, you know, even Jesus doesn't know who's going to go to heaven. That's why he prayed the prayer. Father, who art in heaven? Anyway, um, no, he's in heaven and he's watching and he ordains the times and the seasons. And it's required that we know because we have the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and he says he'll show you things to come. We can know what God's up to. We don't have to navigate blindly and try to just kind of mercifully cry out and hide in the corner with a box of Kleenex like Chicken Little. The sky is falling. <laughs> we're more like Paul Revere. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. We're, we're here to sound the alarm and get ready. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees one time in Matthew 16. He says, you know, you can look at the sky and you can determine the weather. That's before they had weather apps, by the way. Now we just look at our phone. That's oh, going to snow in Minnesota. Let's stay down here. <laughs> You can look at the sky, you can determine the weather, he said, but you don't know the signs of the times. He rebuked the Pharisees. They couldn't discern the times and seasons. So to help us understand the times and seasons, we're going to go to another prophet. He's going to, we're going to get one verse from the prophet Jeremiah. He's a dead prophet, but he's still really good. You can learn stuff from dead prophets, you know. Everybody needs a dead mentor, I'm convinced. Jeremiah's a good mentor in the prophetic. Jeremiah's going to give us a verse, and he's going to teach us about times and seasons and give us some understanding, and he's going to teach us by using the birds this morning. How many think you can learn something from a bird this morning? Okay, the rest of you, just hang on. We'll send you a tweet. So, Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 7. Even the stork in the heavens knows her times. The turtle dove, the swallow, the crane, they keep the time of their coming. And that phrase, the time of their coming, is actually better translated. They keep the time of their migration. Migration. What's Jeremiah telling us, first of all? He said, well, first of all, birds, they know when to migrate. They know the time to migrate. God built them and coded them to migrate. There's a lot less birds in Minnesota this week than there was a month ago. <laughs> you know why? 
Temperature change, season change, birds say, time to go south. They know. They know that migration is a requirement in their species. And two primary reasons that they have to go south, because number one, their food source is diminishing. God's changing their food source. And they also know they need not only increasing resource, they also need to find a place to nest and multiply. And can I tell you, the church needs to understand seasons and migration like the birds because we need new food sources continually. And we also need to find locations for new breeding grounds to multiply. And so he's teaching us from the birds. He says, look, the birds know when to migrate. It's required. It's a creation principle. Then he compares the birds to us. Watch what the rest of the verse says. He says, but my people do not know the requirements or the rules of the Lord. It's kind of a little bit of a rebuke, a prophetic rebuke from Jeremiah. He said, the birds know when to migrate. God coded them. They don't need a bird prophet. They just know. But he said, my people don't. And this word mishpat in the Hebrew for requirement, rules, a very strong word. It's kind of a judicial word. It's a word that actually means something like a legal sentencing by a judge, a divine law. He says, my people just kind of play around with times and seasons. They, they play around with the requirements of God because when God shifts seasons, he requires things from us. Not to just hunker down and hope it blows over someday. No, there's something God is always up to in a time of a seasonal change. Seasons changing in the spirit means God is up to something. And a crisis is a clear indicator that God is accelerating something in the spirit world. God is moving. He's moving fast. And we need to know the requirements of the Lord. Because like birds, if you stay in an old season too long, you could die. Somebody's writing that down. I'll let them write that down. That's a good one to take. Yeah, you got that, sis? That's good. If you stay in an old message too long, you could die. We have to migrate. The church must move when God says to move. So embrace it. Don't resist the change of seasons. Embrace the change of seasons because God is up to something. That means God legislating change in the earth from heaven. That means God is saying, I must change the frequency of the proclamation of the gospel. Has that not changed in six months? We've seen how God has proclaimed the gospel massively shift in just six months. Who'd ever thought that? God, almost like with a snap of his finger, says, I'm going to just shift the frequency of the proclamation of the gospel. I'm going to move the church into new places of declaration. I'm going to change the communication systems. And he did it fast. And if we lack awareness in this season, we're like a dumb bird. <laughs> if we lack awareness, we actually are violating something that God is ordaining. It's a violation of divine systems that God is putting into the earth. So God not only wants us to know, God wants us to respond. It's one thing to know something from God. We come to church, we get messages, we know more. You're going to have your ABC classes, that's great. You'll get to know more. But it's not just know more, it's respond to what you know. All knowledge from God must be met with a response. So God's voice, when God speaks, and we've had a prophetic weekend, God's voice, understand this, carries with it power for execution. That's kind of one of the hidden themes in that book. It's like when God gives you a word, there's energy there. There's divine power to execute what he says. What a cruel God he would be 
if he spoke to you and required something and says, good luck, you're on your own. But he doesn't. He gives grace. He, re he releases power. And that power will run until that word is fulfilled and it will continue to be accessible as long as you walk in obedience. It's always there. Because when God talks, God opens up new architecture. You see things you've never seen before. You, you get new vistas. Um, and and, and God, God speaks in divine energy. I got news for you. When God opens his mouth, it's not English. It's not Japanese. It's not Hebrew. It's not Greek. When God opens his mouth, divine energy comes out. The best label you can put on that is simply love. Because God is love. It's the driving force of everything about God. And when he opens his mouth, divine love comes out and it pulsates toward the objects of his affection. You and me. The human race. He pulsates divine energy towards us to see things happen, to see things change. And it comes to us in divine energy and it's not language yet and that's where prophetic people come in. That's where preachers come in. That's where people come and they begin to synthesize this divine energy, the pulsations of the Spirit of God, and then we wrap language around it and then deliver it into a human ear. That's a prophecy. That's why sometimes when we're prophesying, you see us going, um, yeah, well, um, hmm. And what are we doing? We're trying to wrap human language around a divine pulsation. <laughs> and it takes work and it takes knowledge of the Word of God and it takes relationship with God and we deliver it and, oh my gosh, then you know, and then you respond. To everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. What is time? Well, brother, it's a four-letter word. Didn't you know that? <laughs> it's very close to the word wait. They're related. They both make me angry and frustrated and impatient. Let's understand time as Solomon's using it here from the Greek for just a minute, there's two words in the Greek for time. One is kairos and one is chronos. Now, chronos time is chronological time. Months and years and weeks and calendars and seconds and your watch and everything else, that's chronos time. You can measure it. Um, it's, it's kind of, hmm, it's devoid of anything moral or ethical. It's empty of purpose. You can't stop it. You can't speed it up on Monday and slow it down on Friday. Wouldn't that be nice? Can't do that with time. It just marches on, as we say. But this kairos word, kairos time, is an appointed time. It's a divine moment, a supreme moment. It is, it is this due uh, manifestation of something that God wants to happen at a particular time. It's a kairos moment, we would say. In the fullness of time, God sent his son Jesus Christ coming to the earth was a kairos appointment. It's something God ordained to happen at a specific time. And that would be the closest way to describe this little word in the Hebrew, eth, E-T-H, eth, for time. This used now 28 different times in the next several verses. Look at these for just a minute, or just listen. Solomon starts out, well, there's a time to be born and a time to die. Any questions? How are we doing so far? Any questions on that one? Ben will answer after the meeting. No, that's pretty absolute. There's two, he starts out with two absolutes. There's a time to be born and a time to die. And he just starts describing all these different seasons and times. A time to plant, a time to pluck up what's planted. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh. Extremities of emotion, extremities of life. 
the ups, the downs, the ins, the outs, all the things that we're going to experience as a human, 28 different seasons that you'll experience as a church ordained by God. Time impregnated with divine purpose, a time for every purpose that must be discerned and then executed. Spilt, it, it's, it's filled with resource. You got to understand, every one of these seasons, God will resource you with something you don't have. That's why you can't fight it. You can't, you know what? You look at this and you go, hmm, I like that one. Oh, I don't like that one. Well, that's a good one. Ooh, time to lose. I don't have time to lose. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. wait. What, what if you're going on a diet? That's a good time to lose, right? <laughs> See, it's context. Everything's in a context of your particular life. So we see these things, and you say, well, how do, I, how do I successfully navigate a season change? It's very simple. Success for the Christian in times and seasons is what? It's an accurate, prophetic march through it. That's it. Hey, good news, everybody. You're still here. It's no, almost November, and you, you're still here. Somehow you've made it this far from March. <laughs> you've marched through. And the way to get through it successfully is what? Prophetically with God. Have your ear tuned to the Spirit. An accurate prophetic march through the season. No matter what season it is. You walk out the season, here's the good news. You come out of a season higher than when you go in, always. You may not understand that. You may not realize it yet, but God ordains times and seasons. And guess what? He's also put you in what the Bible calls an upward call in Christ. An upward call in Christ. So you enter a season at one level, and you come out at another level. Always. We're in an upward call. So let's define these words one more time. What is a season then? To everything there's a season. Well, season, I don't know how you like it in Minnesota. In Minnesota, do you like bad news first and then good news, or do you like good news and bad news? How do you like it? Bad news first, it's all bad. Bad news first, so let you down, right? And then lift you up, should we do that? Okay, we'll, we'll let you down first. It's like the, you know, the old pastor was on his deathbed in his last moments of life, holding his wife's hand. He says, honey, I have one more dying request. Well, what is that, dear? He goes, I'd like all the elders to be my pallbearers. Okay, we can arrange that. Why is that, honey? I just want him to let me down one more time. That's a pastor's joke. Come on, Ken's laughing his head off up here. He's holding it in. He's, his, he's holding it in. I love the elders here. I love elders. I am an elder. <laughs> we love elders. Come on, you got to have a little fun. All right, so I'm going to let you down. You ready? What is a prophetic season? A prophetic season is an undetermined amount of time. Wait a minute. I'm an American, and I have the Internet. It's still an undetermined. <laughs> an undetermined amount of time, here's the good news, of limited duration. That's the good news. There's always a beginning and always an end. It's of a limited duration that God and God alone will set in which, what makes it a prophetic season, God is bringing a challenge to you. A prophetic challenge comes into your life that you cannot do without God. That's what makes it so amazing. He sets up the times and seasons. He thrusts you sometimes overnight into a season you didn't pray for, you didn't expect, and yet God says, here I am. I'm here to help you through, and you're going to come out higher than when you went in if you'll walk with me. Prophetic season. 
We're all going through a season right now. What's the bad news? We're not sure when it's going to end. It's an undetermined amount of time. Can I tell you the good news? It will end. There's an end to this season, whatever it is. And a prophetic time is very similar. It's an undetermined period of limited duration in which now God is working out a phase of his divine purpose for your life. God is at work bringing purpose in your season. And I don't know if you're like me, but I, that's one of the first questions I ask when something changes. I go, God, what is the purpose of this? What is your purpose here? You know, we... You can't come into a season and feel victimized by God. Victimiz victimization comes when we ask this question, God, why is this happening to me? Why are you letting this happen to me? What you're doing is you're playing a victim, and you're not God's victim. You're his child. Victor mentality. See, we're going to come out of this season, hopefully in the next few weeks. <laughs> We're going to come out of this season. You're either going to come out a victim or a victor. You need to choose to be a victor no matter what. I mean, we sing the song, Victory in Jesus. Well, come on. The early church had a shakeup on the day of Pentecost. God sent the Holy Spirit. It shook things up. Those 120 were waiting, and all of a sudden, man, tongues of fire and a mighty rushing wind, and there was a shaking, and something happened. The Holy Spirit moved as we all want him to. And the first question of the early church was not, why is this happening to me? <laughs> you know what the first question was? What does this mean? That should always be our first question. When God moves and a change of season comes, our first question should be, God, what does this mean? What are you up to? What does this mean? And then Peter basically answers God puts an anointing on Peter. Peter answers the question, well, this is that. <laughs> and he quotes the prophet Joel and says, this is that which the prophet Joel said. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy. That's what this is. That's what this means. And they go, then what? The second question of the church is always this. What must we do? That's not victim mentality. That's victor mentality. It's like, okay, God, you're moving. What does it mean? And what do you want us to do? And that question needs to run in all your prayer meetings. It needs to run in your devotional life. That needs to be running on the inside of you because you are the church. We need to be constantly inquiring of the Lord. Lord, what does this mean? Well, what does this mean? And what do you want me to do? And he'll be there. Time to every purpose. What is purpose? What is a purpose in the mind of God? This is an interesting word in the Hebrew. It's actually a word that has action embedded in it, and it, it literally means to bend or curve. <laughs> to bend or curve something. To everything, there's a season and there's a time in which God is bending you, curving you, shaping you. So you walk into church like this. Good morning, Pastor Kent. How, good morning, Pastor Kent. He goes, oh, you need a little shaping, brother. How are you? I'm fine. No, no not really. We're going to apply the word of God to you and Hopefully by the time they leave, God brings purpose. <laughs> now, see, that bending and shaping only comes with pressure. Anybody felt any pressure the last few months in this season? Felt a little pressure? Yeah, me too. Lots of pressure. Why? Because God is bringing purpose, his purpose to pass in your life. Let the bending begin or continue. So what's the purpose then of a season for me and for you? 
real quick. We're going to exegete just three more verses here. Verse 9 and 10. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 9 and 10. And you may be kind of philosophizing with Solomon in this season of life by saying this. What profit is there to the worker in that in which he toils? Do you ever feel like that? God, what's the point? What profit is there to me, the worker, in what I'm doing, what, my work? What profit is there? Solomon goes, I, I've seen the task, or I like the King James there. It says, I've seen the travail that God has given to the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. See, we've got to understand, we're workers in the kingdom. We're workers in the master's vineyard right now. We're workers. And you might be saying, what's the point? What profit is there to that, all that work I'm doing? And he goes, well, look, I've seen what it is. He goes, here's what it is. It's prayer. See, the work, our primary work, folks, is always prayer. That's the first work. So when a season changes, man, you better drop to your knees and say, God, what does this mean? <laughs> the first prayer is, help. God, what, what's going on? What's going on? What, what does this mean? What does this mean? That's our first work. It's the toil that he has given to the sons of men to occupy themselves. Not games on your iPhone. That's okay to have entertainment. But listen, we occupy ourselves with what? The work of the kingdom, which is first of all prayer. Finding out what God is up to. And this word travail is actually, it's actually a birthing word. It's a birthing word used in the Old Testament. When Zion travailed, she brought forth something. She birthed something. Do you know something, church? We're in the birthing room. We're birthing things right now. You're sitting in a chair and you're birthing something. City Hill, you're going to be birthing things because it's the first work to get on your knees, get before God and say, God, what do you want to do? And we sensed all weekend there's some new things coming. But you're not going to just get it from Ben or me. You're not going to get it on an email. You're going to get it in the birthing room. You're going to get it birthing the purposes of God in your spirit. So the first purpose of the season is to press us into travail and pray and birth God's purposes in your own life, in your church. Secondly, verse 11. He's made everything beautiful in its season. See, the next thing about a purpose is it's the process in which God is making something beautiful in its time. Now, not outward beauty, not cosmetics, not hairstyle, wardrobe. It's not the outward beauty. It's something in here. God's making something beautiful in you. The best way to describe it is simply there's more of Christ. You know, the more Christ-like you become, the more beautiful you become. And all the spouses said, thank God. Yes. <laughs> Honey, you're more beautiful today than you were last week because there's more of Jesus. Come on. God's making something beautiful. But not just beautiful. Not something to be better tolerated. Oh, I can tolerate them now. They're a little more beautiful. They're getting more beautiful. When God puts something beautiful in you from him, it's full of resource. God is making something of a beautiful resource in you, not just to be held by you, but to be given by you. See, the kingdom is a giveaway system. Everything God gives you, you're to give away. Salvation, grace, everything God gives you, just keep giving it away. And God's making something beautiful and full of resource right now in you. The next part of that verse says, also, he's put eternity into man's heart. What does that mean? Well, you see, in these times and in these seasons, God is always going to stretch you and increase your internal capacity for the lost and the hurting people. Lost and hurting people. Folks, 
don't know about you, sometimes I just literally forget. I can go about my day and I can scurry to an airport and fly and show up. I can go and not have a thought about a lost and dying world. And in these times and seasons, God will stretch your idea of eternity. It's sobering. Do you care about lost people? Do you care for the hurting? God's going to put more eternity in our hearts. He'll do whatever it takes. The last part of verse 11 is a little tough. Swallow. Here we go. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Rats. I don't like that part either. Once again, it's like, well, excuse me, I'm an American. It's the 21st century and I have the internet. I should. Shouldn't I? And we have prophets in the church and all this. It's like, no, Solomon goes, look, look, look. <laughs> you will never fully discern the purpose of a season while you're in it. It's only when you come out of it and you look back and you go, oh, now I see. That's why I have no hair up here. I'm always going, now I see it. Yes. Oh. <laughs> because God in his kindness doesn't tip you off and give you all the details while you're in the season or you'd quit. <laughs> you'd give up. You'd stop praying. You'd lose faith. You just keep marching prophetically through the season. God's kindness doesn't tell you while you're in the season. One more verse, verse 14. Solomon's getting prophetic now. He goes, now, I perceive that, hmm, whatever God does is for eternal purposes. Whatever God's up to in 2020, the most memorable year of your life so far, whatever God is up to, there's an eternal purpose in it. That's what Solomon said. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Therefore, he'll use a season to refocus you on eternal things, refocus your vision. This has been a tremendous time to refocus our eternal cause. Second part of that verse, one more tough pill to swallow. You ready? Swallow hard. Here we go. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. No editing allowed. You don't get to edit God's purposes. That's why you need to pray in tongues more. What? Oh, you need to pray in the Spirit more. Why? Because that gives the Holy Spirit time to edit your prayers. Some of you are getting it. Come on. I learned. I, I, Paul gave us a very simple instruction. He gave us a simple procedure in prayer out of 1 Corinthians 14. He says, what is it then? He goes, well, I will pray with my spirit, and then I'll pray with my understanding. You know what most of us do, me included? When I go into prayer, I start praying with my understanding, my very limited understanding, my ignorant understanding. I go into prayer and pray out of my understanding. And then when I'm exhausted, still discouraged, not sure, Running out of faith, I just kind of whisper out maybe a little. And God goes, keep, keep going, keep going. We're, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> now you're finally praying in the Spirit. Because that's when the Holy Spirit is kicking into Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. That the Spirit himself makes intercession for us according to the will of God. What a cheat system that is. God cheats for you. 
He gives you the answer through the Holy Spirit. He, they, he prays according to the will of God. And we're up there going, now God, you know. We, first we do current events. Now God, you know how I've had a hard week. And God, you know how that person really irritates me. And God, you know. And God, you know. And God, you know. That's Pharisee praying. Pharisees always want to tell you what they know. Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, now Rabbi, we know. Jesus is going, you know nothing. You're trying to tell me what you know? If I just deflated your great image of Nicodemus as the poster child for salvation, John 3, I'm sorry. He was a Pharisee. Came to Jesus by night and said, now, Rabbi, let me tell you what we know. Don't come to God with what you know. Come to God with what you don't know. Then you can get his wisdom, okay? And the Holy Spirit, pray in the Spirit. Why? Give the Holy Spirit time to edit your carnal praying and your, your, your crazy ideas. Just give them equal time. That's all I'm asking, just equal time. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. Finally, what's the point, Solomon? <laughs> he says, now Solomon goes completely sovereign at the end of verse 14. He says, God has done it. Just in case you're wondering who's in charge, who's in charge of times and seasons and what's going on. And God has done it, Solomon says. Solomon never mentions the devil, not once in this text. God has done it so that people fear before him. We are in an amazing time. We are in an amazing season, ordained by God. God has done it. You can't take away from it. You can't add to it. You don't know exactly when it's going to end. But he says, I want you to keep marching prophetically through this season with me. And I want you to walk in a fresh, holy powerful fear of the Lord because fear of the Lord is not I'm scared of God now I don't know what God's going to do next I am so scared no that's not the fear of the Lord the fear of the Lord is simply this I fear trying to do life without him I fear getting up in the morning and not at least acknowledging I have breath this morning because of you and your grace I fear trying to stumble through a day and make decisions on my own we want to walk in the fear of the Lord because let me tell you, when a season changes, when the unexpected hits you, what's the first thing you need? Wisdom to get through it. And you know what the Bible clearly says? The fear of the Lord, come on, Kent, is the beginning of wisdom. You need a new beginning in wisdom. You need fresh wisdom. And it starts with the fear of the Lord. I want to give you this last promise, which I think is just wonderful. Psalm 31, 19, that they graciously added for me. This is so powerful. This is a promise to, to leave with today. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you stored up for anybody, everybody? Those who fear you. God is not running out of goodness when there's a pandemic on the earth. God's not running out of goodness. But you know what? Not everybody's going to get it. Oh, how abundant is your goodness that you've stored up for those who fear you and you've worked. I like that. It's not just goodness that comes in a box. It's goodness that he works into our life. He makes everything beautiful. The Joseph promise, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. God was working good in Joseph's life all through that process. He's working good. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good who he works for those who, what? Take refuge in him. Take refuge in him. The safest place for you 
is refuge in God. And maybe you don't know God. Maybe you're here today and you just came to inquire. Maybe you came to sniff it out, check it out. But you need to know this God that is full of goodness. You need to know him personally. And the only way you can do that is to know his son, Jesus Christ. He's the one that we sang about this morning. He's the one that died on a cross and shed his own sinless blood for your sins and my sins. And if you haven't received that beautiful eternal gift of salvation in Jesus Christ with a simple acknowledging like, God, I'm a sinner, and I I just repent of that, and I need to receive your goodness. I need to receive your gift of salvation today. I want that. If that's something that's running in you right now, you're on the brink of salvation. You need to seek out a pastor or someone to just say, pray with me. We can do it right now. Let's bow our heads, everybody. It's always good to refresh. I love it when churches get together and maybe there's one person that Jesus wants to bring to salvation, but we all do it together because it's a great memory, isn't it? Isn't it a great memory to just go back and remember your salvation moment? So let's pray this together, church. And if this might be your first time, mean it with all your heart. Say, God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Come on, we need to be a talking church. Come on, God wants talking churches. Churches that have a voice. Churches that proclaim. Let's try it again. God, I come to you. In the name of Jesus, I confess my sins. I confess my need for you. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. To the glory of God. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name. Woo, it's good to be forgiven, folks. Every day, every day, every day. Amen. Back to Ben. Wasn't that a message from God for all of us? Thank you, Clem. That was awesome. Uh, While I was looking over us, I saw something, and then I heard something. I saw question marks over many people's heads, and then I heard Yeah, but. Yeah, that's true. But. With God's sovereign. But what about this? God's in charge. Yeah, but did that really have to happen? This is what the Lord says. Don't try to change your own mind. Give me your questions. And give me your yeah buts. I mean, so you could, we're in America, we could have fun with that one. But there's some that you know something's true and your mind goes sincerely, yeah, but what about this tragedy? What about this weakness? Yeah, what about? Yeah, God wants to demonstrate that he's the Lord over your questions. That he can turn your questions into building blocks for faith. So, there's no altar call because of social distancing. But if you got some questions, if you got some yeah buts, let's just close our eyes, please. Take your questions, grab them, and just surrender them to God. You'll still have the questions, but now he will have the opportunity to demonstrate that he's the Lord 
over your yeah buts and your questions. Just raise your hand. If you've got those yeah buts, go ahead, go ahead. There's tragedies. There's, there's so many weaknesses and pain, loved ones dying, you know, marriages blowing up. You go, God, you're in charge. Were you in charge of that? There are questions and yeah buts. Any other yeah buts? Lord, for every hand that's raised and for every heart that wished they raised their hands. This is just such a solemn moment where we, Lord, that one of the most intimate things we can give the Lord are our questions, our hurts, even our objections. Lord, I ask that the message that Clem brought would expose the questions, would kick up the yeah buts so you could demonstrate your lordship over all these so that we can all continually navigate these times. As a matter of fact, this message was designed to kick up the questions. It was designed to kick up the yeah buts so that God could minister to those things and transform you through his answers to those things. Lord, you have started a good work this morning in each and every one of us. That means you're gonna complete it in your way, in your time. You are such a genius, God. Amen. You know, I've grown, ooh, wow. I've grown up in the church. I, somewhere along the line, I had the concept that to bring my questions to the Lord was a lack of faith. Or to bring my questions to the Lord was somehow disrespectful to God Almighty. What I've learned in this process of walking holding on to the word, wrestling with how my reality or my perceived reality sometimes doesn't seem to be in line with things and you struggle. I found that my bringing my questions to God was a, a sign of relationship. It was going to God instead of turning and walking away from God. And I find that true with the three sons I've raised that when there are questions, my greatest joy is when, at this point, when the phone rings, when I get the FaceTime and they go, hey, Dad, I'm thinking about this and I got a question for you. I so value that, that my adult children will call me. Sometimes they're a bit surprised when I have the answer, actually. <laughs> I fixed a uh, garbage disposal over the phone. My son's like, Dad, you, you know how to fix a garbage disposal? I go, yeah, your dad knows a few things, hey. And I found it joyful. I thought how much God loves it when we say, I don't get this, and we call upon him. So may we be those that walk in the fear of the Lord, but may that fear draw us to the Lord with our questions. Father, thank you for speaking to us this morning through Clem and also through Ben, God. We see this as you speaking. We receive that as you speaking to us, God. Oh, God, help us to be the church. Lord, even as we've talked about these last number of weeks, may we be a church that hears your voice. May you just take that 
divine Q-tip, Lord, and clean out our ears, Lord. And may we have ears to hear. I have no doubt you're speaking, but God, may we have ears to hear and hearts to obey. And God, as we do that, we're going we're to change the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord God, for being with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a couple things quickly as we end. Clem's book. I think there's probably a dozen copies left out there. Please pick one up. They're 10 bucks a piece. Just want to encourage us that it's not just receiving a word, but it's how we walk it out. So I really encourage you to do that. Um, ministry team, if you've opened your heart to the Lord today or you want someone to talk through some a ministry word you have, our ministry team is going to be over here at this wall. Please take advantage of these guys who are here to process and pray with you. And if you're our guest this morning, I'll be out at the ministry. I'll be out at the Welcome Center out there. Love to meet you personally. Let me say a word of blessing over us as we end this morning. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen and amen. Have a great week, folks. God bless.